Do you love the Lord this morning? Praise the Lord, Brother Gary. That's you and me. <laughs> I said, do you love the Lord this morning? Amen. Amen. It's good to be in God's house. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, today, I want to spend a few minutes, as you'll know, last week we finished up our previous series, and today we're going to do a one-off series. Um, I want to talk for a little while this morning about the principles of worship, the principles of worship, because later on when I preach, I'm, I'm going to preach about worship, and I thought, well, that would work well. Um, to talk about worship, teach about worship, before I preach about worship. Amen. And so we're going to talk about principles of worship for a little while this morning. It's a one-part series, so just for today. Um, next week, <clears throat> next week I will be away. I'm going on a small holiday just for a weekend. Amen. Church will still be on. It'll still be running. I just won't be here. And then the Sunday after that, I'm going to start a new um, six-part series on the end times. And we're going to talk about the second coming, we're going to talk about tribulation, we're going to talk about um, trumpets and seals and um, beasts coming from the sea and all that kind of stuff, amen. Because I think as a church, it's important that we understand the time that we live in, amen. So that's what's going to happen in a couple of weeks' time, amen. So for today, though, I want to talk about worship because I think worship is important, amen. Why? Why, do, why is worship important? I think, first of all, it's important to recognize that um, God can do in five seconds in an atmosphere of worship what it takes us a lifetime to do. You know, worship is something special and there's no program that could ever take the place of a sovereign move of God. Amen. And, and, and part of understanding how that happens is understanding why worship is important. Amen. Why worship is important. You know, we often use them kind of interchangeably, the phrases praise and worship. We often talk about doing praise and worship, but praise and worship are two very different things. And there is nothing wrong with praise. But the difference between praise and worship is praise is something that can be given to anything. You know, we can praise our kids. Our kids do a good job at school. They do a good job cleaning their bedroom. We can praise them for doing a good job. We can praise them for doing a good job. We can praise our football team. You know, for those of you who like the Broncos, you can praise the Broncos for doing a great job. Amen. You can praise the Cowboys if you're a Cowboys fan. I don't really follow either of them, so I don't know if I'm stepping on toes or not. Amen. But you can praise a football team. You can praise your husband and wife. That was an amazing meal you cooked, darling. That's praise. Amen. So you can really kind of praise everything, but... Worship is something that relates only to the divine. Amen. You can't worship anything else. You can only worship something that you want to make God. Amen. So worship relates only to the divine. Amen. And that's why when you read the book of Revelation, which we're going to get into in a couple of weeks, when you read in Revelation, you see over and over and over again the beasts, the dragons, the serpents, all the angels, you know, there's worship that happens, not praise. When you study what the, what the Antichrist wants and what the world religion wants and what all the world system wants, they want worship because that's something that belongs to God. And if you can give them worship, that's what they're after. Amen. That's why when Satan was tempted, right, Satan came to Jesus in the wilderness and said, 
I will show you the kingdoms of the world and you can have them if what? If you fall down and worship me. He didn't say fall down and praise me. He didn't say tell me nice things about myself. He said, I want you to worship me. If you worship me, I will give you the kingdoms of the world. Because Satan knows that if he can get you to worship him or anything else, then he has you right where he wants you. Satan doesn't want your praise. He doesn't want your praise. What he wants is your worship. He doesn't care who you praise, but he wants your worship. So as long as you are not worshiping God, he's happy. Amen. And this is why worship is important. Amen. And so we need to have a desire to worship God. If you've got your Bibles, grab them. We're going to go to John chapter 4. Very familiar passage of Scripture. John chapter 4 and verse 23. And while you're all turning there, I want to wish all our mothers a happy Mother's Day. Amen. And uh, I think afterwards we have lunch. I've already heard a couple of people inquiring as to how long I was going to preach for today. Amen. <laughs> John chapter 4, verse 23. Say amen when you're there. Amen. It says, But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship Him. Amen. The Father is looking for worshippers. He wants people to worship Him. That's what He's looking for. Amen. In the book of Revelation... We read that John falls down and he worships before an angel. And the angel almost picks him up and commands him, saying, no, worship God, amen. You've got to worship God. You can't worship me. I'm just an angel. Worship God. Revelation chapter 4 and verse 10, it says, The four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne, amen. When you read in the book of Psalms, over and over and over again, Psalms is full of worship to the Lord. Amen. We read things like, exalt the Lord our God and worship at His holy hill. It says in Psalms, we will worship at His footstool. It says in another place, I will worship towards thy holy temple. The psalmist writes and he encourages people. He says, oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. All the earth shall worship you. In another part in Psalms, it says, He is the Lord, and worship thou Him. So it's, it's fair to say that, that God is seeking for our worship. He desires our worship. We know that God is worthy of our worship, and we know that He requires our worship. God is jealous of our worship. He wants it all for himself. This is why Satan doesn't want you to worship God, because he wants it all. He wants every part of your worship. You can't just half-heartedly worship God. Either you're worshiping him or you're not. Are you with me so far? Amen. Praise the Lord. And so I want to give you a few points about worship to help you understand how we worship, why we worship, why it is important. Amen. Here's the first one. And if, you got, if you're taking notes, you're going to want to write this down. You ready? Worship flows from divine revelation. 
Worship flows from divine revelation. We will only ever grow our level of worship as we grow our perspective of God. And this is the thing, as a pastor, I can't, I can't lift you up to a higher perspective of God. I can encourage you, I can teach you, I can preach to you, I can exhort you, but this perspective of God is something you've got to have made up in your mind. And it's only as you grow in your perspective of God will your level and your depth of worship increase. Amen? And this means we all have to learn to be students of God. We all have to be willing to study who our God is and why He is worthy of our worship. Amen? You know, we can, we can know the doctrine. Amen? We can know there's one God. We can know baptism in Jesus' name. We can talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit. But we can not know how to worship at the same time. So doctrine is not all it's about. We can know what we stand for. We can know what we stand against, but still not know how to worship. We can have the right songs, we can have the right atmosphere, we can have the right programs, we can be part of the right organization and still not know how to worship. See, worship is something that is unique to you. It is between you and God and that alone. Nobody else comes into that, amen? And so you have to learn about God. You have to be a student of God. You have to be in a relationship with Him, one that is growing continually, one that you're building upon every day, amen. It's not something that's built in a relationship with God that only exists on a Sunday morning service. But it's something you have to invest in every single day, amen. And that is how you grow in worship because you're growing in perspective of God. Or in other words, you know more about God. You know more about who He is. You know more about His nature, more about His character and what pleases Him and what upsets Him, amen. And as you grow in that, you're worshiping grows alongside of it so we have to be students of God we have to learn about God because our worship cannot grow past our level of perception and concept of God if your view of God is down here your worship will only ever be down there if your view of God is here your worship will only ever be there you can't worship somebody more than what you think about them otherwise it's just fake you're hypocritical that way. You see what I mean? So this is why you can't just act out worship, because God sees the heart. God knows the state of your heart. He knows what's going on, amen? And so your knowledge, your understanding, your relationship with God must grow, because that is the cap on your level of worship that you can offer God. Does that make sense this morning? See, worship is always a result of revelation. It's not a result of observation. It's not a result of facts, of figures, of common truth. It's a revelation that God is the creator of the universe. It's a revelation that He is not just the Savior of the world, but He's my Savior, that He's my Redeemer. And it's when you come to that point in your relationship with God where God is not just some corporate being looking after a corporate group of people, or you know, but he, He's my God and he's my savior and he's my redeemer amen it's it's a, a revelation of understanding he's the mighty god he's the everlasting father amen it is only the result of divine revelation that we can grow in our relationship and our understanding of god and so before i'm going to say it again before we can ever worship god in spirit and in truth we have to be students of god 
we have to seek more of Him in our life. We've got to have something in our heart that says, I'm not happy just to stay at this level in my relationship and this level of worship in my relationship. But there's got to be something within us that says, no, no, I want to grow. I want to develop. I want to know God more. I want to see more of Him in my life. And as that happens... God reveals himself to us and we begin to see more of him in our life and more of his influence in our life. And in doing so, our worship grows. Amen. See, here's another thing. Our level of worship is not determined by our grasp of God's greatness or scriptural truth because worship has to do with the nature and the person of God. It has nothing to do with the performance of God you get that? I'm going to say that again. You ready? Worship has only to do with the nature and the person of God. It's got nothing to do with the performance of God. You know, Israel blessed the Lord for what he did. But Moses worshipped God because of who he is. And there's a difference. One of them knew the works of God. But the other one knew the reason why God did what God did. One of them knew the things he did. The other one knew the reason of why he did the things that he did. Amen. Moses had a revelation of God. And that is why he had no problems worshipping God. Amen. Now, let me give you an example. Who's heard of the book and the movies... Um, the Lord of the Rings. Yeah? Most people heard of The Lord of the Rings, yeah? Okay. What's the name of the guy who wrote the book? Okay, let's do a quick poll. Put your hands up if you watch the movies. Yeah, some people, yeah. Put your hands up if you've read the book. See, we don't know who the author is. We've watched the movies. We know the stories. We can repeat some of the lines. We think the characters are cool. We don't know who wrote the book. It was Tolkien. That's his name. What about this one? Who's heard of P.L. Travers? No one heard of P.L. Travers? She's famous. She's one of my wife's favorite people. P.L. Travers. Who's heard of Mary Poppins? Right, P.L. Travers wrote the story of Mary Poppins. We all know Mary Poppins. My wife walks around saying, I am practically perfect in every way, because that's a line from the movie. But we don't know P.L. Travers. See, and, and this is the thing. We Christians, we can be the same way with God. We know his book. We know the stories. We know the characters. We know what book comes next. We know how to find different scriptures. We can quote it. But do we know the author? Do we know the God who wrote the book? So we have to have a desire to get to know the author. Because true worship only comes from divine revelation. and only comes from understanding who God is. It's not focused on what God does. That's praise. But worship is focused on who God is. And our attention needs to be in that area. We've got to understand who God is. Amen. We can't just read the book. We can't just memorize the lines, but we've got to get to know the author. Amen. Praise the Lord. 
Here's another point for you. And again, if you're taking notes, you're going to want to write this down. You ready? Praise is momentary. Worship is eternal. So in other words, praise is focused at this point in time. But worship, worship is eternal. Now, what do I mean by that? Now, first of all, I'm not saying praise is wrong. We should praise God. He's worthy to be praised, amen. We ought to praise God with our voice. We praise God with our hands, amen. When our worship leader leads us in some songs, we praise God in the dance as well, amen. We, we love to praise God, and there's nothing wrong with praising God. We need to praise God, but praise is focused only on the here and the now. Praise will never get you lasting victory, amen. Praise is momentary. In other words, it's, it's based on things in time because praise is based on things in time. And, and if you think about it, what are the, some of the things we praise God for? We praise God for healing us. We praise God for providing us a job. We praise God that we could put food on our table for our families for this meal. We praise God that we, we're feeling better, amen. And all of these things are things that are based in time. We praise God for helping our family. We praise God for touching our lives. We praise God for the time we spent on the Sunday together. Amen. But all of these have to do with matter and time, things that are related to us. Amen. And these are all things that change, right? Because, you know, praise doesn't bring lasting victory. You can praise job God for getting you a job, and that's a good thing to praise God for. But in six months' time, you might lose your job. Hello? That happened to me. I moved up here, got a job before I moved up here. I moved up here. I was rejoicing. Thank you, Jesus. You've given me a job. I'm so full of faith. This is great. God is behind our move to Cairns. And then three months later, the boss says, oh, by the way, we're shutting the store down and you're all fired. Merry Christmas. And all of a sudden, I can't praise God for the job anymore because it's gone. Amen. And so praise is based only on things that are a matter in time. But worship transcends that because worship does not deal with this earth. It deals with someone that does not change. See, when we praise, we are focused on things on this earth. Amen. We're focused on the things of this ground and it all changes. But when we worship, we are lifting our attention from off of everything around us and we are placing it on God. And God does not change. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever amen and so when your object of worship is something that doesn't change your reason for worship never changes as well because he is the same amen and so worship is something that is eternal worship lifts us to a level that deals with God only amen and he does not change he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that means when we worship God, it is never out of style. It is never out of date. It's never going to stop being important, amen, because it deals with eternal issues, not momentary ones. And so when you step past praise and you begin to enter into worship, amen, you can begin to enter into building a relationship with God, amen. This is why. And maybe I'm the only one who's noticed this. This is why it can be hard to praise God when things are going wrong in your life. I don't know of anyone who walks through their house 
and says, praise you, Jesus, I lost my job. Praise you, Jesus, I've got no food in my fridge. Praise you, Jesus, the bank wants to take my house off me. It's hard to do that. Why? Because praise is focused on the now. But it's in those hard times, in the difficult times of life, in the times when you don't understand it, you've got questions and you're hurting and you're bruised and you lift your eyes off of everything that's going around and you lift it up to the God who does not change because he is the same, amen. And so that means your perspective is now different in worship. In worship, your perspective is on God and you realize that it doesn't matter what goes on down here. Worship means your focus is on something that doesn't change. And so, yes, things can be bad down here. Yes, things can be good down here. Things can be going bad. Things can be going great. But I'm still going to worship God because He is the same regardless. He is eternal. He does not change. Amen. And so, what that means is that when we worship, we are lifted into an eternal perspective. We are lifted to a perspective that's not of this earth. And this is why people don't understand us Christians sometimes. Because we, bad things happen to us and everyone's thinking you should be discouraged. You should be down. What's going on? And we're just sitting going, I'm just going to worship the Lord because He is still my God. I'm going to exalt Him because He's still my King. Amen. Because our perspective is different to this world. We have an eternal perspective. Worship. Worship. You see, this is the thing. When you have that eternal perspective, suddenly, it doesn't matter if there is an answer coming or not. See, here's the thing. Often, when we do go to prayer, we go to prayer and we say, God, I love you. And Jesus, I lost my job and I need a new job. And Jesus, I don't have food in my fridge and I need some food in my fridge. And Jesus, you know, my friend is being mean to me, Lord. Can you strike them dead or burn them or something? I don't care. No, you wouldn't do that. Of course you wouldn't do that, right? But we begin to get focused down here. Amen. But worship means that it doesn't matter if there is an answer coming or not. Worship means it doesn't matter if God bails us out or God does not bail us out or if He helps us or if He answers our prayer. None of that matters anymore because it's worship. And worship is based on the nature of God, not His actions. Or in other words, we're focused on His character. Even if things are going bad down here, He's still my Savior. Even if things are going wrong down here, He's still my Redeemer. He's still my defender. Defender, he's still on my side. He is still my tower. He's still my king. He's still the Lord of Lords. Amen. And through worship, we gain an eternal perspective on life. Through worship, we understand this this life is such a short thing. The Bible calls it a breath, a vapor. It's here today, gone tomorrow. Amen. But inside of us, there is a part of us that is going to live for eternity. And that part is what gets connected with. God and it lifts our perspective from this earth all the way up to heaven amen and it gets locked in and focused on the one who does not change amen this is why Job when Job is going through everything that he is going through 
everything's going wrong. I mean, if there's anything that has not gone wrong yet in Job's life, it's about to go wrong. And Job sits back and he says, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Job's perspective was locked onto the eternal nature of God that does not change. And that's why Job knew, I've just got to keep my mind focused on God. I've got to keep my attention on him in worship because that way I'm not going to feel like I've been abandoned because he doesn't change. His nature is the same. Amen. That's why David could say, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Amen. When David got ready to face some enemy armies and a giant, it didn't matter how big the giant was. It didn't matter how tall the armies, big the armies were, but his perspective was on the Lord and he looked at God and said he's still my king he's still my Lord he's still the Lord of hosts he's still the God of the armies of Israel that didn't change yesterday it's not going to change tomorrow amen and that's why David could say that when we know who God is and when we begin to worship him this momentary life this temporal life that we live amen begins to fade away is just insignificant when compared to being in the presence of the eternal king. Yes, that's right. Amen? Amen. This is why Paul writes, 2 Corinthians. Why don't we turn there? How are we doing for time? Okay. Whew, I better hurry up. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Look at this. We're talking about worship this morning. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse seventeen. Say amen when you're there. It says this Paul writes to the Corinthian church, he says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment. See, this is the perspective Paul's got. He's comparing eternity and this life. And he's like, it's a moment. It's gone. It's a moment. Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. You see, the perspective that Paul is saying we need to have is this. We have to get our eyes off the temporary. We have to get our eyes off everything that's going on around us and bring into focus the God that we serve. Amen. And when we begin to do that, everything around us will feel like a light affliction. Amen. And the more we grow and the more we know God and the more we understand His nature and the deeper we are in a relationship with Him, the 
less and less and less burdensome this life seems to become, amen, because our eyes are on God and our hope is built on Him and in eternity, amen. And this is what worship enables us to do. It enables us to transcend this world around us and brings our focus into the eternal and onto the only one that matters, and that is God. That is why worship is so powerful because it transports you as it were out of everything down here and into the throne room of heaven where you can just worship God. Praise your Lord. Last thing I want to talk about this morning, my third point again, if you're writing this down, you want to write this one down, you ready? For those of you who missed it, the first point was that worship flows from divine revelation. The second point, lost my notes. Praise is momentary and worship is eternal. And the third point, you ready? Do we admit, admire, or adore God? I'm going to say it again. Do we admit, admire, or adore God? To admit, let me quote for you, ready? Here's a definition. Means to, quote, acknowledge or confess, to consider or grant, to allow or to leave room for, to acknowledge the possibility while not accepting the probability, end quote. To admit God is to say, well, there could be a God. There could be someone greater than me in this world. There could be someone who is eternal, but it's not very possible. I'm not too sure. I don't think so. There could be. Could be, could not be. Not 100% sure. Admit. Do we admit God? To admire means to quote, to hold in high regard, to regard in wonder or delight. It means to like, to marvel at one's ability to perform. To accomplish certain feats, end quote. There are people out there who admire God, but have never adored God. It's like marriages that are built on admiration. I think you're a great person, but they don't admire. They don't adore, rather. In religious relationships, we admit that there is a God. And we admire some of the stuff that we read about him. We admire that he's helped us out in the past. We admire his presence that's here. We admire the things that we see around us. And my goodness, what a great God we serve. But the problem with admiration is admiration is not something that's just reserved for God. We could admire a good football team. We could admire a good painting. We could admire a magnificent building, amen. But it's the high pinnacle of adoration that God wants us to reach for. To adore means to love greatly, to highly honor, to idolize, to worship as divine. That's what to adore means. So I want to ask you today as we get ready to wrap up, and why don't we all stand, do you admit God? Do you admire God? Or do you adore God? Do we admire God like we admire a sunset? Or we admire a nice view from a lookout? Do we admire God like we might admire a, a horse or a sunset or a 
car? Do we admire God like we do people for their accomplishments or their successes? As a church, as individuals, as disciples, we have to learn to move from admiration of God to adoration of God. We have to learn how to adore God. Here's why this is very important. To admire something is to admit that you could perhaps be on the same level as that thing. We admire a football team. You know what? If I just had the same opportunities, the same, I, I could do that as well. Amen. You know, when we admire something, we are taking for granted that we have the right to pass judgment on it. That we have the right to express our opinion. That we have the right or the justice with our judgment. That our judgment could be right. That's what admiration is. But when we adore, we abandon all that. We abandon all pretense. Our thoughts lack self-worthiness as we realize our own insignificance when compared with the majesty of God. That's what adoration does. Adoration holds you up next to God and says, I am nothing compared to God. I am not even on a scale, and so I will pour out my life to Him. I will worship Him with all of my heart. I will love Him with all of my strength, my heart, my soul. Amen. That's what adoration does. Amen. But when we admire something, it's like we put our arm around God and we say, you're a pretty top bloke. We think you're not too bad. The things you do are pretty good, but we we cannot just admire God. We have to adore God. Amen. Pure adoration has no heart of defense for self. When we adore God, it means we come before God and we say, God, my heart is what needs to change. My heart is what needs to be repaired. My heart is what needs to be fixed. Amen. And that is what happens in worship. Amen. We come to God and we're not here saying, God, I'm a pretty bang up Christian. I've got everything worked out in my life I can look the part smell the part clap my hands the part but worship and adoration says no but I'm going to lift my heart up to God's heart and I'm going to compare the two and just see who needs to change and see who needs God to work on him that's what adoration does it brings God's fullness and God's greatness into view. And it contrasts our brokenness with His completeness. And it compares our ignorance with His omniscience and our weakness with His power. And most importantly, our sinfulness when compared to His holiness. Amen. To adore means to absolutely idolize. To love intently with no reserve. When we adore God we realize just how far above he is to us when we admire we think he's on our level but to acknowledge God through adoration is to say that he is so far above us that he doesn't need our approval and he doesn't need our help we can't do anything without God we can't heal the brokenhearted. we can't set the captive free we can't heal the sick we can't give God any 
anything that he doesn't already have. But here's what blows my mind when it comes to worship. Despite my frailty, despite my problems, despite the numbers of times in my life I've let God down, he still wants to be in relationship with me through worship. And not just worship from afar, but he wants to bring me closer. And he wants me in his throne room. He wants me at his feet. Amen. God does not need me and God does not need you, but he wants me and he wants you. And there is a world of difference. Hallelujah. The creator of the universe wants me. Hallelujah. That's why we adore him. That's why we worship him. And that is why we have to learn to worship God. Worship is always beyond praise. That's why often you'll see very traditionally we have fast songs because we're praising God. But then we move into worship and it's in worship God begins to move, isn't it? We have to learn to worship God because He wants to be close to us. And it happens through worship. Praise the Lord. Let's lift our hands. Let's talk to the Lord right now. Hallelujah. Why don't we just do that right now? Let's just worship the Lord for a few minutes. Jesus, I worship you today, Lord God. I magnify you, Lord. There is nobody like you, Jesus. You alone, Lord, are worthy to be praised, oh God. You're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy, oh Lord. Jesus, help us to take our eyes off the temporary, Lord God, uh, to focus on the eternal, oh Jesus. Uh, help us to live the scripture, Lord God, to look to you, Lord Jesus. Lord, I know sometimes uh, that life down here can be difficult uh, and life can be hard, Lord God. And Lord, we struggle sometimes. Uh, but Lord, if we could just gain uh, an eternal perspective through worship today, help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. We want to worship you with all of our heart, our soul, our strength, Lord. Because your word says, Jesus, you are seeking for such, Lord, to worship you. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah.